Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another episode of The Fate. All uh, ages? Yeah. What do we got? Three year olds listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to learn. I want to learn about stuff. Come on. I want to learn about chemical warfare. <laughs> I'm your host, Mike Mack, and with me, I've got Mike Bonomo. Hi. <laughs> yeah, ready to learn. <laughs> and I've got co host up from special guest, Shawnee Klein. You got promoted. Coming up in the world. <laughs> yeah, coming up, dude. Soon you're going to have a producer credit. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys had a good weekend. Absolutely. Samesies. Samesies, me too. I think we're doing great. How's everybody doing so far today? Good. I waited like 30 minutes in traffic for a goose to cross the road. <laughs> <Getting here. laughs> they can fly. What? Why is it walking? <sighs> Ridiculous. It's a holiday weekend. That's probably why. I'll, give yeah. him, I mean, I'll cut him a break this time, but next time, I don't know. There we go. All right. Sean, how are you, man? Doing good. That's good. You're doing good. Superman does good. You're doing well. <laughs> yes, I'm doing well. That's good. Fantastic. So what brings us in today, boys? What are we talking we about? We are going to be learning about Fritz Haber. Ooh. He was a German chemist, and he was considered the father of chemical warfare, and it had its deadly debut in World War One. <laughs> Topping the charts at number one is mustard gas. <laughs> he also won the prize for chemistry, the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 1918. You would think he's a pretty decent guy. Yeah, you would hope, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so this is the dude who created chemical weaponry? Yeah, this dude was... He loved chemistry. He just loved playing with shit. <laughs> like, it didn't matter what it was. He just loved chemistry. And apparently he was super into being German, too. So. Oh, dude. Oh, love oh being he's German. <laughs> was he one of those kind of Germans? <laughs> no, he really loved being German. Like, I think he was trying to compensate. He was like, I'm Jewish, but I'm not the bad kind of Jewish. He's <laughs> like, don't worry about that part of me. He's like that one girl you know. She's like, I'm not uh, like all the other girls. Oh, yeah. I just have a lot of guy friends. <laughs> I like yeah, I like football. I'm just, I'm one of the guys. <laughs> Let's hop into this. So the Great War, World War One. April 22nd, 1915, the Second Battle of Ypres was well underway. Fritz stood in front of 6,000 tanks filled with chlorine gas. Oh, shit. They waited for the winds to shift toward the direction of the British, French, and Algerian troops, and when it was right, they gave the signal. They released 168 tons of chlorine gas. So this yellow gray-colored cloud about 15 feet high started to float across no man's land. Oh, God. And no one's ever seen anything like this. And and no man's land, that's for, for you know, that's the distance between the that's trenches, That's the distance right? between yeah. the trenches. Okay. Uh, you pop your head out, you're gone. Oh, shit. Like, this shit was serious. Yeah, if you if you ever look at uh, pictures of, like, World War One, you can see no man's land. It looks terrible. All the trees are messed up and all that kind of stuff, and all the trenches are dug in. There's actually a conspiracy theory that World War One never happened. It was just really bad rainstorms for Are like two years. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Someone's yeah. like, nah. I, no, I no, just no. saw that like a couple days ago and I was like researching this stuff. Dude, it's the iron graveyard. Like you <laughs> yeah. can't even walk through there. You're not like it's all blocked off. Yeah. From mines and stuff that'll still, you'll still walk through. Like it's all gated off. If you walk through there, 
you're getting blown up still. Someone's like walking and, their dog. Just <laughs> yeah, it, dude, it was happening. And so the chlorine and the mustard gas, they're they're called, uh, we call them persistent agents because I was a uh, chem defense guy in the Marine. So persistent agent is something that lasts over 24 hours. So these would stay in the soil for years. So even in like 1920s, they're still dealing with unexploded bombs. And you could even still like be digging to put turnips in and get hit by chlorine gas. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my fucking God. And it, it's not a pleasant way to die because uh, it kind of asphyxiates you. And it would stay in the soil because it sinks. It's heavier than air. So it would go in the trenches and force people out of the trenches. Because the main reason the Germans used it was get them out of the trenches. We can mow them down with machine guns. Yeah. Or okay. sni- snipe them and all that kind of stuff. And you said you, you were in the military. And what was the title you had in the military? I mean, can you uh, tell us again? Is that yeah, you're uh, declassified? Yeah. <laughs> I was a chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear defense specialist gas man yeah that sounds serious it does it, i'm scared right now as long Just as he with doesn't that title i'm scared if he if he farts we're probably dead <laughs> you don't know what's inside of him <laughs> so like uh, yeah so no one decided to run when they first saw it though because no one was like expecting this attack and they're like what the fuck is that and the gas made its way into the allied trenches men started to scream in agony once chlorine is inhaled, there's a burning in the throat and the eyes, and that's followed by the feeling of being suffocated. The pain starts to rip behind the sternum. You start to vomit blood and stomach bile. The headache increases and the legs give out. And then once your body hits the ground, you breathe in even more chlorine because gas is so heavy that it, st- it sinks. So oh. now they're in the mud, like you're done. Like, once you, this this shit touches you. And a, another bad thing about the chlorine and mustard gas, it actually affects uh, mucus glands and, and where you sweat a lot. It kind of sticks to where you're moist. So it would be in, like, your armpits and your groin. So Oh, my oh God. God. It'd attack your dick. This swamp ass is killing me. <laughs> it, literally, you could is, die of swamp ass. The chlorine <laughs> is attached to my cock. <laughs> and the... The funny thing is, like, the Germans were kind of doing a technicality with releasing it in the air and letting the wind take it. Because everybody signed uh, the Geneva Convention in 1907 that said that they couldn't use ballistic chemical weapons. Like, you couldn't throw tear gas grenades or stuff like that. You couldn't put it in an artillery shell and shoot it in their trench. So you just had to let the wind take it. Yeah. But that was really unreliable delivery system. Yeah. Oh, man. So they found around 5,000 dead men from just this uh, one attack. And some of them were found with their clothes half ripped off, trying to get in one more breath, and they even ripped out their own throats trying to get that last breath. Ugh. And that was the first, was that the first time that they used chemical warfare, or at least this Fritz gentleman? Yeah, I mean, that was the first, I guess, main attack okay. used in a war for it. The, was... uh, the French had used, like, tear gas grenades, which broke the treaty, too. But Fucking tear gas French. is nowhere near... This agent, because this agent actually kills people. Tear gas just, you know, just makes you want to leave the area. <laughs> the damage he he caused from this attack was just, it was insane. Historical, even. Oh, it, it, yeah, it was historical. Mm. Let's go back to when Fritz was born, though. December 9th, 1868, Breslau, Germany. He was the son of Siegfried and Paula Haber. Paula and Siegfried were first cousins and married despite the disapproval from their families. So, again, we have incest. I'm telling you, dude, 
People get on Game of Thrones all the time, <laughs> but this shit has been around forever. I, feel... I mean, even Rudy Giuliani did it. Oh, he married a second cousin. <laughs> well, if he did it, then it's okay. <laughs> Fritz's family was one of the oldest, well-off Jewish families in the town. Three weeks after his birth, his mother died from pregnancy difficulties. I wonder why. Now, Siegfried remarried when Fritz was six years old. He ended up being closer with his stepmother and three stepsisters than his father. Fritz would attend simultaneous school that was open to Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish students. His family was supportive of the Jewish community, and he kept some of their traditions, but they were less connected with the local synagogue. He wanted people to see him as a German, not a Jew. Okay. And that's what we were talking about earlier. He was... He won. He loved being German. Nine, 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 no, nine, no, no, I, no, not I'm, yet. Not I'm yet. not. I'm not. No. no, not that one. I'm no. I'm before the war. I'm not that. No, don't worry about it. A young Hitler. A young enthusiastic Hitler. I'm not saying I agree with his policies, but I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, Fritz attended three different colleges, mainly because he was unhappy with his time in the ones previous. In 1889, he had to complete a year of voluntary service in the 6th Field Artillery Regiment. Okay. Like, a voluntary service in the Army. Like, he had to do it. So how is that voluntary? <laughs> You're going to come? Would you are going to volunteer, whereas you like to not. Yes. So, Would you are going to load shells into bombs and launch them in the sky? No, he didn't get that far. When he, when he got back, he earned his doctorate from Friedrich Wilhelm University, May 1891. With this degree, he went back to work in his father's chemical plant. And he and his father never got along. They just never, he like went back and forth between working with his father, but they always ended up fighting. And then his father eventually said like, um, we can't be together anymore. Look, I, I know you don't <laughs> like to hear this, but I'm breaking the band up. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. You're killing me here. And that's no gas. <laughs> why are you so funny, father? Do we know why he didn't really like his no, dad? No, I couldn't really find. I guess they. I really couldn't find a reason why. Yeah. I mean. Hey, man, it's okay. Sometimes that. I guess there wasn't any chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and it is kind of odd he didn't like him because he worked for him and went into like a similar field. Like, well, I mean, I can relate working for family and them trying to tell you what to do, and you're like. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Finish your reports and take the trash out. Well, motherfucker. <laughs> so he left and went to work as a personal assistant to Ludwig Noor. Noor created antipyrin. The first, that was the first synthetic drug that was commonly used until aspirin replaced it. So he's always been involved in some like serious like shit that would change the world just milestone chemistry yeah milestone like he was medicine. that was had to be prime time for chemistry like creating all this stuff yeah yeah and uh germany was always big into making synthetic chemicals because it's a lot easier and actually getting you know they didn't have a gigantic empire they had like colonies in uh asia they had like part of papua new guinea and they had like some islands here and there and they had a few states in africa but they weren't like resource rich. Like they had no way of sourcing uh, even saltpeter. They had to get it from Chile. Mm. So they had no way to make gunpowder without buying it from someone else. It's yeah. like playing StarCraft and all your bases are away from the resources. Yeah. 
they had to go halfway across the world to get Vespian gas. So ridiculous. He like he was doing full on science shit from here on out. Oh, he played chemist. with he played with dye technology, worked on the combustion of gases. He was able to theoretically explain textile printing. Wow. And he did a lot of teaching in different universities. He married his wife Clara in 1901, and she was oppressed by Fritz. Whoa. Immediately what? oppressed. Damn, yo, not even a sentence. <laughs> Hang on. For those of you following along at home, it's we have our script and it goes, He married her. He oppressed her. And that's how it was. <laughs> and uh actually she was like the first woman in Germany to get her own like degree in chemistry too. So Yeah, like well, she was big into like women's rights and stuff, but like he immediately shut her ass down. <laughs> oh no no. This one this one do <laughs> not no not here. I'm sorry. We're, I, you're going to have to take a chill pill. I can't. <laughs> I'm going to invent the chill pill, yeah. And you're going to have it. He was doing the dishes once and, like, something touched his hand. He's like, ooh, never again. <laughs> nine, nine. <laughs> As he, he, he thought it was a woman's place to remain home at the time. She wanted to contribute to their life together other than cleaning the house. So she began to help her husband by translating his work to English. Which is all she could do. She couldn't get out and do the research that was necessary. She knew about chemistry, but he literally didn't want her to do anything. Yeah, and Sean, you had said that she, I mean, that's already said here, he, she contributed to this chemical cause. Yeah. She was also working and translating it into English. So is there anything else you might know about this woman? Is there anything she may have done that would have been pretty crazy? I think she also had a Jewish background too, but she converted mm -hmm. to Christianity just like he did. So she was trying to blend in a little bit too. Okay. But obviously she didn't really care about making a stink because she was a outspoken feminist and bucked the system by getting her own degree. Yeah. And she actually was kind of, I read she was kind of a pacifist too. So she disagreed with him. Like he was kind of more towards the militaristic side mm -hmm. and she was more, hey, let's just learn and collaborate with people instead of you know, just being about Germany. Yeah, we're going to get into that more nice. in a little bit. During Haber's time at the University of Karlsruhe from 1894 to 1911, he invented the Haber-Bosch process. It produced commercial quantities of ammonia and let them make larger amounts of nitrogen-based fertilizers. That actually helped many people from starving with its farming benefits. He won the... Uh, Nobel Prize in 1918, but he didn't actually receive it until 1919. Haber was excited about World War One, like he loved this shit. He's like, he's like, yo guys, y'all hear about this fucking war? They're like, hey, you gotta come. No, no, guys, I've been working on some shit. Yo, I made some crazy fertilizer. I think I can make some pretty crazy bombs with it. Haber, you gotta calm down, dude. No, 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 no. Nah, I can't wait. I'm yeah. so hyped. <laughs> That's how he was. <laughs> and he joined the Manifesto of the 93. These guys were made up of German scientists, scholars, and artists. These smart fucks declared their support for the German military actions early in the war. And these actions included the rape of Belgium that resulted in the death of 24,000 civilians. People died from killings exile sickness and prison i can i just take a second and say 
the manifesto of the 93 sounds like a really interesting super group in like a comic yeah. book <laughs> and they're like so what are we going to call our first conquering uh why don't we call it the rape of belgium <laughs> yeah look at back to the name on that they named it themselves <laughs> and when germany invaded uh belgium to get like uh, into france in world war one like in the outbreak uh england took a real big offense to that because they had actually made belgium they made the French agree to never invade them because the French wanted Belgium really bad because half of Belgium speaks like a dialect of French. So they're like, no, these are our people. And some of them speak uh, Walloon, which is like a German dialect. So Germany and, and France kind of both wanted Belgium. But it seemed like Germany wanted a little bit more. Apparently. <laughs> we're, look, we want it so bad, we are not going to even consent to taking it. Yeah. So if, if Germany hadn't invaded Belgium... Great Britain may not have entered the war. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and the the rape of Belgium was, like, ridiculous. Like, they came through. Well, they wanted to pass through, right? They just wanted to go to France, yeah. and Belgium would not let them. Uh, they used to jokingly call Belgian soldiers uh, chocolate soldiers, and they're like, oh, they'll just melt away because Belgian Damn. chocolate. And they did not <laughs> melt away. The Belgium built these. They got in their old-style forts. And they unloaded on German soldiers. They actually created piles of bodies of them leading up to the forts. And because at this time, nobody knew the damage that World War I weapons could do. Because we're going back to like the Napoleonic Wars where people were just marching in lines and yeah. like wearing fucking dresses and shit. Like riding on horses like, and shit. Yeah, dressed in, dressed in yeah. like colorful gear. Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and the Germans came in. The Germans costumes. I heard about this on the uh, Hardcore History podcast. The Germans wearing gray um, actually was one of the best camouflages. They Damn. looked like ghosts coming through. And the French were dressed in these like light blue like decorative <laughs> pieces and shit. They got their fucking military gear from Old Navy. Yes. I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna look good. So like it. they were as as they were coming through Belgium, they were literally getting mowed down, but the Germans had rail guns. And okay. these super guns just blasted them into another lifetime. <laughs> I mean that was the end. Belgium ended up like flooding their own country just to slow them down and ruin stuff. But, uh, so there's, I, I mean, we know about these ballistic type of, of, of warfare. Is there any, I mean, I guess, I guess did Fritz start working on non-ballistic warfare? Yeah. Even though like he wasn't allowed to be like, this stuff wasn't allowed to be used in shells. And this was stated in the Hague convention of 1907 and Germany signed this was, uh, one of the signees in the convention. It was, it was, it was just stating like all the rules of war, basically. Yeah, that goes back to what you had said earlier, Sean, where they couldn't, they couldn't launch these things into shells. Which is the most effective way to do it. <laughs> but <laughs> You can't do it the best way. Because when you release it in the air, obviously you can't control it. It's water-soluble, so if it's really humid or if it's raining, less effective, uh, especially chlorine. But the Germans were kind of just like... Uh, it's a byproduct of uh, making dyes for clothes. So they, they dye their clothes gray and then, then use the byproduct to poison the French. Like, it's, it's kind of devious on how, like, resourceful they are. They're so efficient. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, doing this damage, that made Fritz become a captain. 
And they put him in charge of the chemistry section in the Ministry of War. Now, he made the chlorine gas. He all made all this other stuff. But also, he made masks to protect against it that he would give to his own soldiers. Haber loved his role in the war, and he was highly decorated for it. And the, the masks are really important because if the wind shifts, it comes right back onto your own trenches. And actually, the first time the British used phosphine gas, which is like a more effective um, chlorine gas, it actually just blew right back in our own trenches and killed 2,000 of their own men. Oh, bloody hell! It's fucking in me eyes, man! Oh, God damn it! Bollocks! Bollocks! Get out of the trenches! I don't know why I'm Australian. Well, no, Australians were there, too. So were Indians. Yeah. All right, there Everyone was there. Yeah, Britain wasn't, you know, they, they picked up every free agent they could. It was called World War One. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen the images of those first masks? They are terrifying. Yeah, they yeah. look so. Clean. They also made masks for the horses because they still had cavalry and yep. stuff. So you got to protect the uh, horses. Yeah. <laughs> Mount up, wait! I'm having a hard time putting the mask on my horse. And this was the first war where cavalry literally became only useful for transferring goods and stuff. Like they were no longer needed in war. They would get mowed down. Like you couldn't bring a horse. And put it in no man's land. I would hope not. <laughs> it like they just stopped using them. They kept them behind the lines, and they just kept them. They used them for like moving stuff around. Wow, our boy here Haber. I got a thing saying here that this guy was kind of a sociopath. Oh, dude, <laughs> he defended his stance on all of this stuff <laughs> on his chlorine warfare and his chemical warfare, and he just says that death is death. Yeah, either way, you get chlorined or like you get shot, you're you know, still dead. I I know I never met the guy. Right, but I, I know that you know, we are not as bad as nature, yeah. <laughs> Some people would say that. He would skip across the battlefields with enjoyment. He pushed for more and more use of chemicals. Some generals in the German army were against Haber's outlook. <laughs> I don't want to have lunch with him. <laughs> I don't like him. They would tell him personally how he violated the Hague Convention. He had a real good fan club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking, man, I don't like the way you treat people. But I don't like the way you talk to me. Yeah, his whole life was a big, uh, like, controversy. I, I think it was kind of partially because a lot of people who joined the military, some of them want to become famous for big bouts of heroism and all that kind of stuff. And World War One really didn't have that. Like, a lot of people just died from artillery shells in the trenches. But the chemical warfare was kind of, you know, it was kind of unsportsmanlike. Yeah. yeah. So There's, a lot, a lot of these guys wanted to do the the cavalry charge, like the Napoleonic cavalry charge, where they yeah. beat the British or something, and they didn't have that moment. And I guess they kind of blamed Haber for it. Maybe. I mean, that kind of goes back to how they, even before World War One, I, I guess even before World War Two, they mm -hmm. really romanticized war. Yeah, it, World War One was like the first war that kind of like broke that. Mm -hmm. Civil War kind of broke it for us. We're like, uh, that wasn't too fun. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of uh, similar in many ways. So he was one of the directors at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. And scientists created a cyanide gas formulation called Zyklon A. And Haber's rule was created to get an equation on how much and for how long it takes that gas to kill you. Uh, Sean, is that still used now? Oh, uh, Zyklon A and B? Or the Haber's rule? Is that something that you heard before? Uh, No, but... Now we kind of just use software to, like, figure out in the military. Like, we have computers that can map it out for us, but we also, like, learn to do it by hand 
you get you take the weather report and you could see how long this stuff would persist. And Cyclone B is based on cyanide, so that's highly toxic, highly persistent. So cool. Just yeah. thought I'd ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like his his wife Clara literally hated all this stuff. She started like despising his lifestyle. She became increasingly depressed. She hated his work and told him personally that he was morally bankrupt. <laughs> I don't like what you're doing, darling. Yeah, but you don't like the fucking money I bring home. Yeah, look at all the money. This is gas money, baby. <laughs> you have all these good dishes. <laughs> On May 2nd, 1915, Clara shot herself in the chest with his revolver. This is why I should proofread the script. I shouldn't have made those jokes. And, But, it like, women usually preserve their body when they kill themselves. They'll use poisons. They'll jump, you know, they'll, they'll slit their wrists in the bathtub, you know, after, you know, they've yeah. taken care of themselves. Like, <laughs> God. <laughs> well, not like that, but. She was a savage. So, like, men shoot themselves. Men jump, jump off buildings. We're, we're trying to destroy ourselves. That's sexist. Yeah. What? <laughs> How Did you just dare assume my you? suicide? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, and we're kind of, uh, so it's really rare for a woman to do that, to destroy her body, to shoot herself. Yeah. And with his own pistol, too. That's a statement right there. That's a yeah. big, fuck you, Haber. Yeah. <laughs> but the sad thing is, her 13-year-old son found her alive, bleeding out in the garden. But he could not save her. That's a shame. Ugh. <sighs> Another one with the damn kids. First it was Rathbone on Christmas Eve. Now it's... <sighs> same, yep, yep, same tragedies. The guess... next morning, Fritz went right back to the Eastern Front to direct more gas attacks. <laughs> okay, this is, this is happening. I can't really do anything about it. Got to go. Got to pay his gas bill. <laughs> I'll be the same. <laughs> I'll be the same. From 1919 to 1923, Fritz helped Russia and Spain with the development of their chemical gases. Now, with the rise of National Socialism, he would soon find out that being decorated war captain and scientist was not enough to keep him safe. I'm going to tell you about a band hailing from Philly, PA. The Insides. This indie rock trio whose moving melodies drive you to spark emotion... With the release of their new album, World Goes Round, that's including tracks like Semi Evergreen and Penny, they continue to defy tradition with their unique sound. Listen to the album in full on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, or Bandcamp. That's the insides.bandcamp.com. The insides, check them out. Actually, uh, Hitler himself had been gassed in World War One, and he hated it. <laughs> so he wasn't a Haber supporter in the least. Wasn't a fan. <laughs> he actually uh, he refused to use it against the Allies in World War Two. What a good guy. Well, <laughs> and well, that also shows like his contempt for the people in the the concentration camps. He used chemical weapons on them, but he wouldn't use it on like British soldiers. And Hitler even wrote in Mein Kampf, and like he admired the British Empire and the United States on how we like uh, we oppressed people in india and we put indians on reservations and stuff hitler thought that was a model and he's like i don't want to gas these people who are kind of doing the same thing i want to do oh my god <laughs> why would i gas the people i like <laughs> i took all their best ideas yeah come on i'm like the apple okay i'm like the apple i want i want the headphones and yeah. all of that 
The law for restoration of the professional civil service was set into motion. This stated civil servants that were not of Aryan race were to retire immediately. <laughs> Why you got to quit, man? Um, I'm, I don't, I'm not blonde. I can't. <laughs> Kind of frosted tips. I can't keep going. I like lots and lots and bagels, so I have to quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the the thing going back to like Haber converted to Christianity with Clara, and he he thought that could maybe save him, but he saw Jewish scientists from the Kaiser Wilhelm being targeted, so he retired and he moved to the UK with his son Herman. When I was researching it too, I saw like. During this time, like when he was kind of going all around Europe, he uh, tried a project where he was going to come up with a chemical way to take gold out of ocean water. Yeah. This di- is he fucking Midas? The man who's <laughs> just trying to turn everything into. I think he was like a modern day Christopher Columbus. Like he was just trying to get someone to pay for his research. That's what he was I'm like, saying. I know how to get gold out of stuff. He loved playing with things. Like he, pl- I'm, I'm thinking he just played with these chemical gases at first and he, he just loved making things. Yeah, it sounds, but he sounds like a sociopath. Like he, it's just, it was only ever about the formula, the chemical. Yeah, he's kind of the the original Walter White. Yeah, and I don't think I don't really think he like wanted to hurt people with it necessarily at first. He just liked the idea of his invention being used by people. Yeah, like that got him off. <laughs> I love it when you use my chlorine gas, <laughs> and I love it so much. Now, in the UK, during these travels, Fritz was in poor health. The British and the French shunned him as a war criminal, and he was living a hobo lifestyle. <laughs> we'll, we'll formulate for food. <laughs> I will formulate for food. I'm so hungry. Give me a chemistry set and make chlorine gas. You kill your enemies. <laughs> he did have offers from, like, I, I forget what country. He had an offer to go work for him, but he was just too sick at this point and he couldn't make it there he died january 29th 1934 of a massive heart attack alone in a hotel room Mm. god damn and even with his death his legacy will continue to do damage after settling in france herman haber failed to gain french citizenship and when germany invaded france during world war ii he and his family would escape to the Caribbean. Wow. Herman committed suicide in 1946. His eldest daughter also committed suicide in the late 1940s. Th- this family, man, they're just... <laughs> they Holy. love to make statements, dude. They're <laughs> you know, not messing around. What are you doing this weekend? Well, I figured I'd kill myself like my dad <laughs> and my grandpa. Yeah. And my grandma. And they went to the Caribbean and killed themselves. Like they saw the ocean, the clear no, water. No, I think they. I actually think they made it somewhere in the United States after that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they settled in the Caribbean. I was reading stuff that they actually moved into the United States, but I couldn't find any information on it. Yeah, I mean, there's no AC, so why stay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's way too hot there. Dad, can you formulate some air conditioning? I'm fucking <laughs> hot. <laughs> So the Nazis took Haber's Zyklon A and turned it into Zyklon B. I'm, like, I was listening to this shit where they pretty much just stumbled upon his invention. Like, they found it. They're like, oh, this is, this guy was working on this stuff? Oh, that looks good. Looks like it could work. 
He was just like, guys, there's this book that says all my dope ass ideas. <laughs> and it was written by Fritz Haber. <laughs> oh, yeah. Give me that book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, this looks pretty painful. Yeah, they hate the Jews, but they're okay with profiting off their inventions and, you know, taking their wealth. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, there was, they took anything they could. Zycom B was used in the concentration camps. These camps consisted of, of a bunch of Fritz's extended family members. Oh, that's fucking terrible. Like, that is just... Yeah, that's beyond ironic. I was going to say, get a yep. dictionary and look up irony, and you're going to see Fritz Haber next to yep. it. Yep, helping kill his own family. Psychon A and B is used for, like, rats and pests. Like, they used to put it in uh, warehouses that would store grain to get rid of, like, the rats that might be eating it. The Nazis were kind of doing a statement with that. The people in the concentration camps are pests. They're the same as a rat. Yeah, they, they always like, compared them to rats. That's like the main thing they compared them to. That is a shame, man. Wow. Yeah, so they met their fate in the camps. Haber's creation would assist in the estimated 650,000 deaths on the Eastern Front. Then there's millions of innocent European Jews during World War II that was also he also killed helped kill them with his processes talk about a body count this guy's uh, he's racking them up Jeez. but he also went the other way 50 percent of the world's population consumes food that was made with his help with the haber bosch process before we had large-scale like synthetic fertilizers we actually uh, well, use cow shit, donkey shit, all that kind of stuff. But Brr. the best fertilizer was uh, bird guano. And it's like seabirds that would take tons of shits and make like three-story high piles of shit. In like South America, like where Darwin made his discoveries and stuff. So they would extract all that bird shit that had been collecting up for like centuries. And that was the main fertilizer that every country used. Uh, and that was the Galapagos Islands, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's where you're thinking of. So they th they said like back when he like didn't even make this process yet. Once the world's population got to a certain point, we were gonna run out of food. And with this process, it helped. It literally exploded agriculture. The way they can make fertilizer. This is what Einstein said about Haber. Haber's life was the tragedy of the German Jew. The tragedy of unrequited love. Damn, the man of many words. <laughs> Einstein also helped. He took some of uh, Haber's family members. He took them in at some point. When they moved to the UK, he had a bunch of other kids with like other wives and stuff. Einstein was involved in helping get them to a safe spot. Yeah, I guess that's because he's just a uh, like a peer. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they had a lot in common. They both loved their cousins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Germans pressured them to make weapons to kill other people. <laughs> Can you believe all this pressure? Oh my God, yeah, it's fucking crazy. I just want to bang my cousin. Why can't I stay at home? You know, everyone's down at the Christmas party. I want to go upstairs with my cousins. What's the problem? Yeah, and that's pretty much the basic concept of Fritz Haber's life and how he helped kill millions and he helped save millions. So which side are you on? That's That goes back to that whole thing of like progress must be made, right? You're going to have to give some to take some or take some to give some. Oh, he gave a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he took a lot of lives. <laughs> yeah. But he also gave a lot of lives. It's like, hey, man, do you want to feed half of the world and, like, kill three million people? I'll just do both, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. I can get it done. I'll be, I'll be all right. Uh, I just want to thank uh, 
I read the article, Paul Barish, the tragedy of Fritz Haber, the monster who fed the world. Got some stuff off NobelPrize.org, uh, 7 Billion Humans at the globalist.com. And then I took some of them uh, symptoms from the gas from the 1917 book, Medical Diseases of War. Good shout outs. Always good to cite our sources. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always good. Sean, do you have anything to add to this in terms of... Uh... I'm more on the side that in the net, he probably had more lives saved than he actually took. Oh, uh, yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were talking really bad circumstances, but... Uh... Well, he's still saving them now. Like, yeah. they're still using it. Because yeah. the uh, it's been about a century we've had the f- synthetic fertilizers. I saw on the History Channel they did the history of us and they talked about how in the 30s nitrogen fertilizers came to America and it was kind of an agricultural revolution. And they said that within that century the human race itself has made more food in the century since synthetic fertilizers than the whole other 9,900 years combined. So we've made more food in the last 100 years than, you know, the rest of human history. So we've just had exponential growth with food. Yeah. There's no way we'd be able to support the world population we have today without it. So if we if we were to break it down by numbers, if you think about it, this guy has saved billions and billions of people. <laughs> Billions. He caused Donald Trump. He, yeah, he it, created. I mean, he saved billions, but he killed millions. Yeah. Saved billions, created millions. I also read something about um, how the fertilizer nowadays is also becoming a net negative effect because they're producing so much of it that it's causing bodies of water to create this algae that is destroying sea life. So he's gone he's, back to he's killing still <laughs> fucking it up. <laughs> What the fuck, Haber? He saved, he killed millions, he saved billions, and he's about to kill more millions. But the ocean? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> fuck the ocean. There's gold in them waves. There, yeah, there it is. It's like, I couldn't make gold, so fuck it. It makes algae. Oh, man. Well, I think that about does it for us today, guys. I mean, we learned a lot about Fritz Haber, the master of chemical warfare. I'd probably say the father of chemical warfare. Oh, yeah. Father of modern The farming. granddaddy. <laughs> The granddaddy. The papa. Oh, yes. And But Opa. you know what? Created millions, probably saved billions, died alone in a hotel room as a hobo. We needed him, though. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Like, we needed him. A necessary evil. Absolutely. Mm. All right. That about does it for us here at The Fate. I'm your host, Mike Mack. I'm Mike Bonomo. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I'm Sean Kleins. See you guys later. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>